Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name is Becky Olson. I'm the co-founder of Breast Friends. I'm also a five-time survivor of advanced stage breast cancer, a motivational speaker, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And before I introduce our guest today, I wanted to share just something that um, that happened recently. I was my, my website crashed totally, and I had to rebuild it from the ground up. And it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of fun, but it did give me a chance to kind of review some of the content that I had on there and, and just kind of take a look at things. Well, I have a blog on my website, and I had a, an article that I published back on March 1st, 2015, and it was called Don't Wait to Say I Love You. And I'm going to just take a minute and read that because uh, it's very short, but I think that there's a strong message, and especially with everything that's going on in this world today things can change quickly in our personal lives. But so let me just read this again. This was from five years ago, a little over five years ago. I just had some horrible news. My first cousin, Michelle, died yesterday of unknown causes. We were so close as children, it, it breaks my heart because we grew apart, though we never stopped loving or caring about each other. The sad thing for me is that I haven't told her in a long time how I felt, and now it's too late. Life is short. Don't hesitate to tell the people in your life that you love them. Do it before it's too late. And this morning, my husband and I were reading Proverbs because we, excuse me, we go through the Bible in a year. And today, Proverbs said, my child, if your heart is wise, my own heart will rejoice. Everything in in me will celebrate when you speak what is right. And when I think about that, you know, when we have somebody in our life that we love, we're proud of, we need to ask forgiveness from, let them know. Just take a minute and get those things right in our lives because life is short. we got the virus going on and in the Northwest. We have fires. It's very gray outside my window right now. The air quality is horrible. There are people suffering. We've got all kinds of bad stuff, but, you know, we also have a lot of good stuff. So find a way to say I love you to the people that matter to you. Tell the people that you're proud of, that you're proud of them and why and just And if you need to ask forgiveness, ask forgiveness. So with that, um, I want to introduce our guest today. And what an appropriate time, because so many times I think a lot of these conversations start by pen to paper. It's just something that we, if we write it out, we can process it better and then share it. So with that, I'm going to introduce our guest today is Dina Taylor. Dina is a professional copywriter, a humorist, and the author of I Don't Want to Be Pink. Her personal account of facing breast cancer as a single, self-employed, 39-year-old woman. She's been published in Austin Woman Magazine and on Fresh Yarn, and her copywriting has been recognized by Pent, Pent Awards, How Magazine, and Print, among others. She has written and performed with Austin's gag reflex sketch comedy group, i got to hear more about that, and was hailed a, quote, freak by megawatt entertainer Wayne Brady. After generating life, lifelike wind sound effects as a volunteer in one of his Vegas shows. Welcome, Dina. <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much. And thank you for that beautiful message at the top of the show. That, that's a good reminder for me. I'm taking that to heart. 
Good, good. You know, we just, I just never quite know where these, these moments are going to come from, but it just sometimes it's something I read or whatever, but I'm glad it meant something to you. Thank you. Well, I got to ask you, mm-hmm. you know, with all this uh, smoke that we have around here, I'm thinking some of those freak-like wind sound effects maybe could blow the smoke out of here. What do you think? <laughs> yes, I think, that, I think that's a great idea. I'm, I'm practicing it daily. It's, so far, it's not really working, but maybe by the end of the week. <laughs> okay, so I have to I have to start by asking you, how did this thing with Wayne Brady happen? And, and tell us a little bit more about that, because it just sounds like fun. Sure. Um, it was an amazing moment in time. Um, years ago, I went with two friends to Las Vegas for um, both of the, their birthday weekends, and we went to a Wayne Brady show, um, which includes, you know, music and sketch and a lot of comedy. And he was setting up a sketch and called on audience volunteers. And I was sitting between my two birthday friends and I held up both of their arms in hopes that one of them would be, you know, asked to come on stage. Um, Instead, he pointed at us and said, you in the middle. (laughs) So so I was clearly you were the one. Yeah, and so me and another gentleman from another part of the audience were called on stage, and I don't recall the actual, you know, plot of the sketch, but my job was to make these wind sounds into the microphone, and uh, I gave it my best shot, and (laughs) I took it very seriously, had a lot of fun, was very nervous, but um, he seemed pleased, so (laughs) my job was done. That's so funny. So it's not like you went there with this incredible skill that he that he heard about through the grapevine and brought you up on stage. He just dumped this on you, and you had to create it as you went. Yes, complete improv. <laughs> you know, he's an improv genius. Right, so, right. Uh, oh no, right. he's very he's very good. <laughs> he's he's really funny. <laughs> well, that's that's great. So, um, all right. So. Thank you. I just was so curious about that. I had to learn more. I actually I'd ask you to do a demonstration, but. I don't know if I want to put you on the spot like that. I kind of do. Is I can that something do it. you? Okay, do it. Sure, do it. It was okay. something like. <laughs> I think something that could like blow that. The, I think it looks better out my window already. <laughs> that was very good. Thank you for that. I appreciate oh. it. So, Dina, sure. why don't we? Let's just jump kind of into our topic. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, um, what, you know, your hobbies, family, anything you want us to know about your, about you so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. Sure. Um, I am a native Oregonian. I'm the youngest of three. Um, my family's now a bit scattered from Alaska to Florida. Uh, we're all still in touch. Everyone's uh, Fortunately, healthy and safe. Um, we are all very sad about what's happening in our home state, however, and our hearts go out to all the Oregonians affected by the fires. Um, I ended up going to the University of Oregon. I lived in Portland, uh, Seattle, Austin, Denver, and now I'm back in the Northwest. I work full-time as a copywriter. Um, enjoy many of the outdoor experiences that people do here in the Northwest, such as hiking, as well as reading and movies and um, a lot of quality time with my family, my friends, and uh, my coworkers, whom I adore. And uh, 
that's kind of how life is right now, especially a lot of it at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think we can all relate to that, you know, and in, in, in our own different ways. So, so you were diagnosed with breast cancer in 2006. You finished treatment in 2007. Tell us just a little bit about that experience. Yeah, it was, uh, I was 39, and I went in for a routine mammogram a month before I was to go to Italy for my 40th birthday, and uh, something showed up, and I had a biopsy and was diagnosed with breast cancer, so the trip was canceled, completely sidelined, you know, Followed recommendations, uh, did my research, and decided to get a bilateral mastectomy. And uh, the the prognosis at the time was good, but then we got some um, uh, oncotype results as far as informing whether or not I should have chemo. And right before I was going to have my exchange surgery, it was recommended that I have chemo. So I ended up doing six rounds of FAC. Um, followed by finally having the exchange surgery and then five years of tamoxifen. Okay. And by exchange surgery, for those of those who are new to our audience and may not know what that means, that's referring to implants, right? Yes. I'm sorry. Yes, it was reconstruction with okay. um, implants. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, good. All right. So, and you're doing, you're doing well now. So treatment, the overall treatment took about a year and recovery, was it? difficult or did you just slide right through it making wind sounds for Wayne Brady? (laughs) (laughs) Um, There was a lot of, you know, there's like these uh, mountain passes of emotions that you have to get through. You know, there's this, you know, chemo is not by any measure an enjoyable experience, um, but you do feel monitored. So when I was finished with treatment, and started taking tamoxifen and kind of out in the world on my own again. And those fears um, that many people have shared, many survivors have shared about, okay, well, who's, no one's watching me now. No one's checking in to make sure I'm, if their cancer's not growing again now. Um, so you kind of go out there managing that, that fear. Um, and that did get better over time. Um, the adjustments to tamoxifen were very challenging with the heat flashes, um, or excuse me, hot flashes, um, if just affecting your sleep and affecting your life. And as a mm-hmm. self-employed person at the time, um, it was hard to work sometimes when you're not getting you know, sleep. Because do you know, let's go. Let's go back to something you just said for a moment because we talk about that a lot on this show. Um, you know, when, when you're done with treatment and, and you're, you know, you're ready, the doctor says you're ready to move to the next stage, we'll see you in three months or whatever. Um, that is hard, and you mentioned it, that you're not being monitored anymore. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you, you are, but just not as regularly as you were before. But that is a scary time, isn't it? It's a really scary time because there's, it's always occupying a part of your experience. So mm-hmm. I did some traveling the summer after I finished chemo. So I, uh, I had a four-month window until my next appointment. Mm-hmm. And so I did some traveling, and there's always a, a – I was never 100% present in a particular moment because, you know, there was a small percentage in the back of my brain that was worried about that appointment. 
And that happened every four every four months, you know, until the next checkup. And um, and eventually, the time it eases a little bit. Um, and I don't know that it's ever totally gone, but it, yeah. it is. It's really challenging. Yeah. You know, because I, 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 I remember, you know, that same feeling. I, you know, I've been through this a few times, but but the first time probably with that experience was the hardest because I, I didn't know what to expect. And I had those same fears. What if it comes back? What if, what if, what if, what if? And, you know, and you wonder, is, is anybody even going to know if it comes back? Cause they're not, they're not doing blood checks all the time. They're not, you know, they're just not watching me as closely as they were. And yet there's, there's a rhythm to this, you know, that seems to, seems to find a way to work out. Don't, did you find that? Mm-hmm. I did find a rhythm with that. I think that's a really great way to say it. It it just takes time. There's also a lesson in there about living with a degree of uncertainty, mm-hmm. which, gosh, given the given the state of the world right now, I think everybody's learning that if they didn't know already. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, how do you find these pockets of joy in these moments of uncertainty and just to be 100% present in a moment, knowing that it might change at the end of the day or the next day. That's a good point. Well, Dina, with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. And when we come back, let's talk about some of the ways that we can do that through writing, you know, finding those moments of joy. Because even in spite of everything going on in the world right now, and it just seems like like the Northwest has had more than its fair share lately, um, or the whole West Coast actually has had more than its fair share, there are still moments of joy. And it's up to us to find those and to be able to, you know, to embrace those and, and move forward with them. So we'll talk about how we can use writing to make that happen. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women. But women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. 
You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. Um, before I come back with our guest, I wanted to just remind everyone, as you hear every week from me, there are four ways to be involved in our program. One, of course, is to share the link to the program through whatever means you're listening. If you're listening live right now or if you're listening on demand, share the link with your friends and let them know this is a great radio show and they need to be listening to this. Um, second way is you can donate to our show to keep it going. Um, we have a text program. It's uh, the number, use text to 41444, the words BF Radio, stands for Breast Friends Radio, and then that will launch a link that will allow you to make a donation online, and it will be attributed directly to the radio show. Um, a third way is to join Breast Friends Around the Globe, which is a Facebook group. It's not just a page, it's a group, so you can actually chat and post comments, and and I usually post the show just before it goes live um, on that on that. Uh, Group, So you can go in and listen through that link that I post, or you can just comment later. But if you do join it, let us know where you're from, because we've actually built our audience quite a bit. We have listeners in 113 countries right now, which is pretty exciting. So, um, And then the fourth way, of course, is to nominate yourself as a guest. And you do that by reaching out to me at Becky at BreastFriends.org and let me know um, who you are and what you think a good topic would be. And if you're an expert in that topic, whether it's educational or inspirational, we, we like both. So, and just something that would be of interest to breast cancer patients. So with that, we've been talking with Dina Taylor and Dina was just, we were just kind of getting caught up with her and learning a little bit about her. But um, Dina, I'd like to kind of switch gears now, if you don't mind. And let's talk a little bit about how we look for those moments of joy, how we embrace them and Talk about how writing, in your case, how did writing help you cope with cancer and how can we use it to help us cope with everything going on right now in the world? Yeah, so when I was um, diagnosed, I immediately uh, was completely overwhelmed with emotions and thoughts and this pressure to make uh, treatment decisions, you know, whether or not to get surgery what my life was going to be, and all the fear that comes with a cancer diagnosis. So I went to what I did when I was a kid, which is go to a, a diary or a, a, a journal. And I had a paper journal, and I also had a Word document on my laptop. And I just poured my thoughts and feelings into those journal um, and Word doc entry entries. And some of it was stream of consciousness. Um, some of it was just a boring account of whatever appointment I went to that day. Some of it was um, a list of all the treatment options uh, that I had to consider and um, before making my choice. So the act of writing down the thoughts and emotions that were in my brain actually helped me to organize those thoughts. It made the noise in my brain um, diminish and I was able to get mind share back to think more clearly, to have some perspective on what I was going through, to honor the feelings that I was feeling and to make sense of um, 
each moment, each decision I had to make, what was going on. And it actually restored the sense of control in a situation where I didn't have control. I didn't control that I was going to get a breast cancer diagnosis, but I could control how I was going to respond to it. So it was pretty much a daily practice, this um, this writing in response to to the cancer diagnosis. And I continued it through... Um, chemo, and I continued it for years after. Boy, that's that's wonderful. I, you know, I I wrote a book too, as as I always mention in my opening. Um, but it mine started as a booklet. You know, I I kind of didn't really have, I didn't have the discipline that that you're talking about of writing every day. That wasn't really. I had a I kind of had an end goal in mind, and my end goal was kind of funny because. I had this vision that I, because as a speaker, you know, I, I thought it'd be nice to have a something that I could have for people afterwards, you know, after I spoke, a little reminder of my story or whatever. And so I had this idea of a booklet, 28 pages stapled down the middle with a cardboard cover, you know, just really informal, just something I could have in the back of the room. And, and I was actually going to college at the time, and I turned in my writing, my booklet as my final writing project for my class. And my teacher is the one who said to me, she says, Becky, this is not a booklet. This is the beginning of a book. And I was like, I was pretty overwhelmed by her words, you know, what she said. And, you know, bottom line, I said, this is the whole story. She says, no, it's not the whole story. You've told me what happened. Now go back in and show me what happened, you know, using word pictures and, you know, things to just make it seem more real. So it was, it was something that, you know, I didn't write every day. I just, but I had a goal and you know, and so there was a process in in kind of creating that that project. But um, so I want to ask you about your the writings that you did because I do want to get to your book a little bit. Some of that writing ended up becoming a book. Is that right, or was that a whole separate project? Tell tell us what your process was for for writing that book. Sure. The, so the journal entries um, started off as this coping mechanism, and then. As I kind of settled into this chemo, these month, you know months of chemo, um, and having this writing practice, uh, it opened this space in my mind for more of a creative expression where I could start being um, playful in my writing, and where I might um, imagine a doctor's appointment in a different way, or I might write something um, funny that happened that day, or a little. A word play, play, excuse me, on um, my infusion, like some sort of joke around it. Or with tamoxifen, I created this list of um, tamoxifen term, terms, like a vocabulary <laughs> with tamoxifen in it. So I had, I was able over time to get this, to be inspired with creative expression of what was going on as well as um, tackling the emotions. So mm-hmm. after treatment, I thought, you know, maybe, maybe this could be a collection of essays of my experience, and maybe this could be a value to somebody. So, it, the book started from journal to a collection of essays, and then a few years after I finished treatment, I met with a developmental editor who suggested those essays become a chronological memoir, and then Years, a few years after that, I connected with a book coach, and um, she helped me uh, make that chronological story 
deeper and more vulnerable and into what is uh, I published last year, which is my book, I Don't Want to Be Pink. Yeah, I, I love that title. It was kind of fun. I have to share this because I, I get a kick out of this. Um, when I first talked to you, <clears throat> excuse me, when we were kind of doing our little initial interview to find out what the subject might be, I asked you about that, you know, I don't want to be pink, which really referred to you don't want to be known for your cancer, and yet you wrote a book about it. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't that kind of change that a little bit? Well, the you know, I don't want to be pink is a memoir, and okay. it's a very personal story about my personal experience and um, okay. the perspective that I gained through that experience. Okay. So the title it's the title itself speaks to um, the perspective that there is no one right way to respond to a breast cancer diagnosis or experience, and okay. whatever is true to the person going through that. Um, is right for them. So should you come out of this experience and want to be a public advocate for for much of your life or maybe you want to get back and focus on your career or work or some sort of combination of the two um, or anything else, whatever that life that you want for yourself, whatever feels most comfortable comfortable for you is okay. Um, so for me, it was I don't want to live... Um, a life of what I call pink. However, you know, I do support cancer research and um, patient groups and things like that. I just do it in a less public way. Okay, fair enough. I was just curious about that because I, I, I got, I just kind of got a kick out of it just a little bit. So <laughs> I just thought I'd give you an opportunity to explain it in case anybody else had those same, cons- those same thoughts about it. So, um, let me ask you this question because I know when I went back through my book and I had to add content, you know, to actually describe, you know, what, what those, those, what had happened and, and put a, some, a, a new meaning behind some of the words. I know it made me kind of relive, relive those times. How about you? Did you, did you find it was kind of forcing you down a, a road of remembering things that maybe you hadn't remembered? Yes, um, with every draft of a and edits to maybe a scene, so mm. um, there would be there there could be a trigger, and the trigger could be a very emotional um, kind of a fear-based emotion, um, mm-hmm. very scary moment like the day that I was diagnosed. So that particular scene, um, every time I had to edit it or add to it or um, whatever I was doing to that section. Um, I relived it, and it was emotional. And um, other sections were might give me a chuckle, maybe a, a reliving a scene, say in Belize, that was mm-hmm. um, funny or magical. And those emotions um, were triggered with every every draft. And even as recently as a reading I did just this past February, I read a passage from the day the moment that I was diagnosed and I had tears in my eyes. And after all these years, it's, it's still, it still has the, the power. It's not all the time, but um, it's, it's pretty powerful experience as, as anyone listening who's had breast cancer knows. 
Boy, it's true. And I, you know, my, my husband and I are doing a little segment on this radio show um, called Storytime. And we've done Storytime Part 1, Storytime Part 2. And basically, I'm just making my way through my book and then we comment. And it, I have to admit, it kind of does that to me, too. You know, it just, and that's the power of writing because not only does it have an impact many years later, but it has an impact while you're writing it. And, you know, being able to empty out your head from all these thoughts, as you talked about earlier. You know, I think that there's a lot of a lot of power in that. <clears throat> Excuse me. How long did it take you to write your book overall? I think we landed around eleven years, and that time frame is not, um, you know, a hundred percent concentrated on finishing sure. the book. There were there were many trips in there. There were there were you know, a couple months where it was sitting with uh, my book coach, um, mm-hmm. waiting for her to get back to me. So, and and I had I had a very strong um, commitment to what I call living as I go. So I didn't want to buckle down for two years and do nothing but work on the book. I wanted sure. to live as I go because I, after having a cancer experience, you don't you don't know what's going to happen. So I wanted to make sure I. I got a trip in, you know, I visited a different country or something along the way. Yeah. Well, that that's pretty exciting. So did all of your trips make it into your book then? Some of them made it. Yeah, the ones after, in the years after uh, I finished treatment. So, yeah, there was a, a cruise I went on with my mother. There was a very a short trip with friends to Paris. Um, and then... I end the book with a trip to Tanzania where I did a volunteer vacation for three weeks. Wow, cool. Well, you sound like a very interesting person. I think I'd like to get to know you a little bit better. Um, So let's talk about a book coach because book coaches are, I think, underrated. And I think that they're very important. My book coach was my writing, my my writing teacher at my at my university where I went to. And she, she read every single thing I wrote. And would critique it and, you know, not looking for problems, but just looking for how can we make this even better. And so tell me about your, how did you find a book coach and what value did you feel that, that this person added to your project? Well, I was living at Den, in Denver at the time and I um, connected with another writer through the Lighthouse Writers Workshop, which is an organization there. They have classes and writing events for local authors as well as um, more known authors. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I connected with this friend and she was working with my now book coach and uh, she recommended her and I reached out to her and said, look, I'm not, I think this book, this draft, this manuscript might be ready to be birthed into the world, but I'm not 100% sure. Can, could you take a look at it? And with her wisdom, um, she herself is a writer. She is very passionate about the power of personal narrative, and um, she's ushered in many, many memoirs of a lot of different experiences um, for other other people, authors, and uh, she came back and said, I think you can go deeper. I think you can go a lot deeper. And that was so scary to me to have to, you know, I'm already telling everyone about this this breast cancer experience, and now you want me to go deeper? Deeper, yeah. 
<laughs> yep, I, so, I hear that. I get it. I get it. It, it is scary because especially when you think you've kind of got it all out there and then and they want more. Ah. <laughs> yeah. I do. I yeah, do get that. It, you, yeah. you also had a writing buddy, yeah. somebody different than a coach. Tell, tell us about that. Yeah, so the woman from the Lighthouse um, Writers Workshop that I met and who is now a, a friend of mine, she was also working at a, on her memoir at the time, and um, we started using an, an app, a note-taking app called Evernote, and we basically would each write a note about our writing progress, and then we would share that note with each other. So... Um, it was sort of an accountability tool mm-hmm. where I'd be, you know, it might be like, okay, I'm really struggling with this chapter this weekend. Um, here's why. And then she would share what she was going through. And it just, it, you just had a buddy. You had someone you're, that was encouraging you who understood what you were going through with your writing and how personal it is. And, um, so we, I have since obviously moved from Denver back to the Pacific Northwest, but we are still using Evernote to stay um, in touch with each other and talk about our writing. And um, we've expanded that to kind of our lives in these, in these shared notes. And it's, mm-hmm. um, it's been seven years, I think, that we've been doing this. That's wonderful. And, you know, accountability is so key to to getting a book done like that because it, it's so it's so personal and it's easy to work on it today and then not work on it for another year and a half you know it's it's really up to you but if you really want to get a book done and have have it you know get it published and go through all the steps then having somebody that will kind of hold your feet to the fire a little bit you know to keep keep you moving in that forward direction it's it's really important so with mm-hmm. that, we're going to actually go on out to break again, and it's amazing how time, how fast time flies, I think, on this show. But <laughs> stay, stay tuned. We will be back in a minute. We're going to pick this up on the other side because there's more here. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Female cancers affect women. But women's effects are felt throughout our families, workplaces, and communities. Electa is driving advances in precision radiation medicine across our portfolio of devices. By enabling treatment that is highly responsive to changes in tumor shape, position, and biology, but doesn't compromise the health of surrounding tissue and the patient, we protect the moments that matter in the lives of women with female cancers and everyone they touch. Learn more at electa.com. That's E-L-E-K-T-A dot com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with Dina Taylor, the author of I Don't Want to Be Pink. And I wanted to ask you this question because I, you know, I think we've both, as writers, we've both probably heard this from people. Oh, I could never write a book. I'm not a writer. I'm not a, I I just, I can't write. I'm not a journal or whatever. What do you have to say to that? What I have to say is you don't have to be. You don't have to have that pressure on yourself. You can write um, your thoughts and feelings down on paper as a very personal, private outlet to help diminish the noise in your head and organize your thoughts and and create room to heal. I love that, getting the noise out of your head. And, you know, I've, I've kept a notepad by my bed for years because sometimes I can't sleep because of the noise in the head. And sometimes just the simple act of writing down what's in your head and putting it on a piece of paper next to your bed allows you to get it out of there, and then then I can sleep. Isn't that weird? <laughs> mm-hmm, it, it, exactly. It can, be, it can be that simple. So we're not talking about, you know, creating the next literary masterpiece, although you never know. Sometimes things come from late-night thoughts or whatever, but um, it's just getting that noise out of your head. I love that. I love that description, Dina. Thank you for, thank you for sharing that. So, um Okay, so let's talk about, you You mentioned something to me about starting a trial, just kind of write to see how it works for you. What, what's that about? Yeah, I think there's um, a way to experiment um, with writing to heal in a way that works for the individual. So um, someone may not be a journaler, for example. Well, they don't have to be. They could take a post-it note and write a list of emotions they're feeling in a certain moment. Or they could start a Word doc and just do a stream of consciousness of uh, how a doctor's appointment went, the, any anxiety that they felt. Um, or they could write an email to a friend or a letter, even you know, an old-school paper letter <laughs> where, um, they're telling, they're, where they're telling someone about... Um, what they're going through and whether they don't have to, they don't even have to mail that letter. It's just this process of getting it out of your brain. And then if you try that a little bit of writing every day or every other day for a couple of weeks and see if it, see if it makes you feel better, see if it is helping you organize your thoughts and helping give you perspective and a feeling of control and honor of what you're, of the emotions that you're going through in a particular moment. So let me ask you this. Do you think it matters if the writing is done on a computer where it's all digital or is it, is it more satisfying to write it out with handwriting on a pen and paper? What do, you, what do you think about that? I think that is entirely up to the individual and um, what their inclination is, their personal, natural inclination is. If Somebody, you know, for me, I, as a kid, I wrote in a diary, I drew pictures, all kinds of things. So actual pen and paper or typing onto a computer was worked really well for me. For someone else, um, 
It could be just a list, a, a, a notepad, or um, like I said, an email, or you could take your kids' crayons and, and, and some construction paper and just write a thought of the day or a prayer or something. It's whatever is right for that individual person. And again, we don't have to think about publishing what we write. I mean, it's, it's a very personal thing, but don't be surprised, I guess, to say this. Don't be surprised if what you write is worthy of being published because there are a lot of people out there in this world that are hurting from whether it's cancer or COVID or fires. I mean, I know people whose family members have lost their homes in these fires. And, you know, there's just... There, there's so many people hurting right now in this world from so many things. So don't be surprised if what you write is inspiring enough to think about publishing it, whether it's a book or writing an article for a magazine or, you know, having a blog. If you create your own blog and, and if people like what they're hearing, they may share your blog and decide that they want to learn, learn from you. You know, it, it's amazing how we can open up you know, so much of that. You talked about having fun when you were writing your book. You made up the tamoxifen list and and just using humor as a coping mechanism. So I, I'd like to hear more about that because I think humor humor is so important. And I know your book talked about dating too, right? There was a pretty big focus on dating, if I remember correctly. Yeah, there's a subplot about being a single woman going through breast cancer and um, all kinds of... Uh, thoughts in the book about navigating going on a date, um, the, you know, the, how, at, what, at what point when you're meeting, getting to know someone, do you tell them that um, you have implants? Like, how does that conversation go? Because <laughs> there's no, there's no breast cancer dating 101 um, book that I know of that tells you how to do that. So Ooh, that sounds like a um, title ready to happen. <laughs> Okay, listeners out there, if you're in the same boat, think about writing a book called Breast Cancer Dating 101, because I think there's, (laughs) that could be a big hit. Maybe you should write that one. I've been married 40 years, so So for me, it's a different, it's a different issue, because you're still single, right? I am still single. Um, I've I've actually done some, done, done some dating through COVID, you know, online, like a video chat, and, uh, uh, yeah, still still open to finding the special someone. Ah, that's awesome. So yeah, I think you need to write that book. I think it would be a huge hit. And if and when it is, I want to be your agent. <laughs> so there you go. So let's talk about okay. um, let's find let's talk about finding those moments of joy to write about because right now, again, people are hurting so much. Let's let's talk about like what what today could you look for that brings you joy. And I'm asking you personally, if you were going to write something today that brought you joy, what would it be about? Well, it could be as simple as uh, the coffee that I had this morning. It's like, it's a nitro cold brew coffee, and I could write about the the joy that it gives me to feel awake. It tastes good. The texture of it's good. It has kind of a frothy head. Um, it's creamy, and I could really let my imagination go and uh, about how this coffee fuels the many things I'm going to accomplish today, and then my imagination would probably 
take hold and become very exaggerated with like, I did 60 push-ups. I wrote, <laughs> you know, a 20-page book report like, or, and, or I made six kinds of chili, you know, whatever. <laughs> I could, I would just run with it and let it riff. And then uh, maybe I'd go back and edit it or maybe I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And you, you used as an example, as we were talking um, early in that earlier conversation, about talking about acts of kindness, things that either you did for someone or someone did for you. So let's talk about that. Acts of kindness, like what? Give, give us an example of, of maybe an act of kindness that someone did for you. Yeah, like writing it down and like recording an act of kindness um, for me, like tonight I might write down that, you know, I connected with Becky and she had me on her show that has meant so much to so many people and, and how wonderful that was for her to have me come on. Um, Another act of kindness might be uh, seeing, you know, someone help somebody else um, at the grocery store. Maybe they couldn't reach something on the top shelf and somebody um, with two kids in tow and a full cart dropped everything and stopped and helped that person get what they needed. Just, or, or a, a barista going the extra mile and, um, you know, making a special order or correcting an order that was, you know, ordered incorrectly or something. So there's acts of kindness all around us all the time if we're paying attention and they can be small, they can be big, um, but they're there. I know they're there because I feel it. Yeah, they are. And I, I'm one of the ones asking people to get things down for me from the top shelf because I'm short. <laughs> so, yeah, that oh. person that you see <laughs> see offering, they might be offering that help to me one of these times. You know what? I have a friend who um, has a business called Send Out Cards. I think it's one of those franchise kind of things where you, um, you know, multi-level, I'm not sure what it is. But anyway, I love that she does this because what she does is she goes through, through. I understand it's going to sound like stalking, but it's really not. She goes through my Facebook page and she'll take something that I was, I thought was important enough to write about. And she will take the photos from that and create a card, a story in a card with my photos. And then she'll send it to me as a just a, like a, a handwritten note inside this card but it's it tells a story of something for example my husband um I, I i have this crazy notion that i could be an artist i don't know why i think that but but i've been i've had this idea in my head for years and about maybe someday creating some kind of art and i told my husband that it would be really fun to have an art studio so here i am in the midst of stage 4 cancer and we have no idea how long I'm going to be here, but things things seem to be improving a little bit, just to let you know. Um, but my husband good. emptied out his tool shed, which is only a year old. It's really a nice tool shed. It's 10 by 12. It's pretty good size. And we turned it into an art studio for me. And I've had people down at my cabin, and we've gone out to the art studio and worked on art together. And it was really sweet. And I painted a sign. My art studio was called Heaven Can Wait. I know I borrowed it from an old movie, but um, but I, I called it Heaven Can Wait, and I have a series of photos of me creating the sign for it, which I posted on Facebook. And so my friend, Kelly, um, who has an equine therapy um, horse ranch, she's been a guest on my show, she took all those pictures and created them in a card and sent it to me with, like, the beginning stages of the sign and then the final, the finished product. And 
it was really cool. And, you know, talk of, there's two acts of kindness right there. My husband emptying out the shed, the work shed, and, and giving me a space to work. And then Kelly creating that as a little memory for me. You know, there's there's so many things that, that can be written about. And, you know, I, I, I need to write, I probably need to write about that, don't I, Dina? Just to remind people of how special that that act of kindness was. Yeah, I th- that it, it's so powerful. And when you share those stories, I think it inspires other people to look and share their own witness moments to acts of kindness as well. And th- those are absolutely beautiful and they're encouraging and they give us hope. And let's remember that for your husband and your friend Kelly, it feels so good to do something for somebody, mm-hmm. to feel like you can bring somebody a little bit of joy by a simple act. So it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, it really is. So just remembering those things because, you know, these all happened recently. And even in all of this ugliness going on, we, that happened recently, which I'm very excited about. My son came all the way out from Georgia to see me and he's, I just love having him around. He's so strong and I, it's just it's great to have people in our lives that, that inspire us and bring us joy. So take the time to write. We are out of time. I'm so sorry, but we did get through most of the things I wanted to talk with you about. So I just real quick, how can people reach you if they want to get a copy of your book? How do they do that? So just give me the, the quick uh, email or, or website or whatever. Sure. They can write me at Dina at DinaTaylor.com. It's D-E-N-A-T-A-Y-L-O-R. Um, com, and my book is available wherever books are sold. That's wonderful. And if you're already a writer, um, hopefully you got something out of today's message to maybe expand your writing and introduce it in a new way. And if you've never thought about writing, maybe you could start by just writing one little happy moment today that you had and just start a little journal on your computer or post it on Facebook or whatever. But I, I think that if you can write a little deeper than what you can put on Facebook, it would be really helpful. So with that, um, Dina, thank you so much for giving us your time today. And again, the book is called I Don't Want to Be Pink, and it's wanna, right? W-A-N-N-A. Cor- it's not want to. Correct. Is that right? It's wanna. Okay. W-A-N-N-A. <laughs> Just want to make sure if you're searching for it, you search the right way. Um, so anyway, thank you so much for spending time with us and, and being on my show today. Really appreciate it. This will be pushed out to the podcast land here shortly. And again, share this, share it with your friends. And we will be back next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope and we are here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. We'll talk again next time.